Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm your host, Karen Curtis, and this week, a 40-year-old South Florida cold case is starting to heat up thanks to the efforts of the victim's family who refused to give up on the case, specifically her sister. Now, vital evidence thought to be lost forever has been found. Wilton Manor's police say that they've located critical evidence, including fingerprints, physical evidence like clothing that could be swabbed for DNA and sent out for testing. In the case of Anna Marie Mullen, whose body was discovered on the steps of the St. Clement's Catholic Church in 1982. The 22-year-old had been beaten, raped, and murdered. She'd been strangled. That was the manner of death. And there she was lying on the front steps of this Catholic church. Her case quickly turned cold, though, and since then her sister continues to wonder who killed her. So joining me now is retired police sergeant Greg Fox. He's now a private detective. You became a private detective because of this case, right, Greg? Yeah. And so how did you get involved? So in it was either late, you know, early 2016, late 2015, I was working in Massachusetts as a police sergeant when uh, I received a phone call from a resident who is a relative of Anna Marie Mullen, who was murdered in Florida in 1982. And she received a strange message from a person saying they were in the bar the night that she was murdered. Whether that is something or not, we, we don't even know to this day, but we followed up the lead, um, touched base with the department. Nobody ever contacted me back. Ugh. She was so frustrated. She said, you know... I just need a cop to help me. And I said, I'll help you when I retire. Anna was from Ashland, Massachusetts, right? Yes, yes. And I actually thought to myself, she may be forgotten by Florida, but she's not going to be forgotten by Massachusetts. Okay. I'm going to try to bring her, bring this home for them, you know? And let's just set the stage. Anna was a beautiful strawberry blonde, very generous. Apparently she had a hard home life. She was one of eight children, ended up in foster care, lived with an aunt. But she was really intelligent, artistic. She graduated one year early from high school, went into the Air Force, then got an honorable discharge and moved to Wilton Manors, Florida. Wilton Manors is kind of like a interesting little town in Broward County. And so she made that her home. She lived there for about three years as a telephone operator is what she did for work. And then the fateful night happened. That is absolutely correct. And the sad part is the family got broken up in foster care and Anna was the big sister. So, you know, the the significance of her murder and the impact it had on her seven other young siblings who, you know, looked up to their big sister cannot be overlooked. I mean, it's just so tragic for them. So to seek answers for nearly 40 years and get absolutely nowhere is just so horrible. Well, thank God her sister Um, didn't give up, Fran. Thank God. Thank God. She's a wonderful person. She has such a ferocious fighting spirit. She's never going to give up. I promised her we're going to do it together to the end, and I think we're finally getting there. Uh, We found some physical evidence, and hopefully we're going to find more now, and we're waiting on results. And Oh my gosh. So you have gotten some traction. You're getting more and more publicity about this and more people are coming forward. So her death happened on November 6th into November 7th, 1982. So this is pre-DNA. Uh, right. she, she was 22 at the time and she was at the Caboose Bar in Wilton Manors. And so apparently she uh, was a regular there. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, the, the Caboose Bar, it's up for debate whether it was Wilton Manors or Oakland Park. Okay. There was multiple different bars, but 
that's still being explored. But, well, they're saying yeah, that one the, or the, other. the church was near... So the, the church cab- where she was located was in Wilton Manors, yes. And they but, said that uh, was near the caboose bar. I don't know. Yes. It, well, so there's a lot of debate about that, but she was found in Wilton Manors. Her body was discarded at a church on North Andrews Avenue, Wilton Manors. So does your spidey instinct go up when you hear about the body being found on the steps of a church? Does that signal remorse? You know, there's a lot of... A lot of people have explored a lot of theories about that. It's kind of, you know, it, it's just so hard to say. Obviously, you, you want to think that it signals something. Does it signal remorse? Does it signal some sort of a disrespect to the church? You know, everybody has explored that, but we really we have no answers for that just yet until we know who did it. But certainly is not insignificant that she was placed there. And, you know, whether they meant it to be or not, it's significant. So... Did you see the police report? Do you know the particulars about the body? So, believe it or not, the reports were misplaced for, Ugh. you know, better part of 40 years as well. We are going to get, they did locate them as oh, well. Okay. Huge, huge thing. So, we're going to get copies of a lot of them soon, hopefully today. Really? Uh, so, I have seen, we had most more paperwork than they did for 40 years. Oh and assisted did. How can that so, be? So, uh, you know, without, you know, I can't really get into details because it's an ongoing investigation. But yes, I've seen the scene to some extent. Some things were already done and, you know, moved. But, uh, well, she, you, uh, you know, you've I seen really the scene. So you saw the body, a photo of the body? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she was strangled. Was she nude? Was she clothed? Um, so I can't, like I said, I can't, I'm not really, I, I just can't compromise their investigation okay. at this point. But, uh, she was, you know, found at that scene, which they believe was a secondary crime scene. It was not the scene of the crime, most likely. Okay, so let's shift to the unidentified man that she was seen playing pool with. He, he, this guy looks like my ex-husband. <laughs> he kind of like has this permed hair and a goatee. He's about 5'11", 200 pounds. Uh, apparently, he was approximately 30 years old at the time. Brown hair, brown eyes. Apparently, he's named Tony, T-O-N-I. No Y. It's an I. And the police actually used hypnosis on some of the people at the bar to get them to recall. And one of them said he had a unique assembly style for the balls, the pool balls, the New Jersey rack. What's that? So that's another thing that that's not like a really a term you can really like. It's an actual like official term. Uh, Francis looked into that extensively. And it's just, I think, a slang term used. But obviously, it implies that the person is probably from somewhere up in the Northeast. Okay. Maybe, possibly. But the stranger theory is just a theory at this point. We don't really know. I mean, there's so many other people that knew her, you know, had contact with her that day. However, that does appear to be the most viable person that was there. Yeah, and, he bought uh, her a drink, right? Or they played several he games? He allegedly bought her several drinks. And, you know, he left the bar with her at 2.30 a.m., which I believe the closing time would have been 2 then. So, I mean... You know, that would mean, you know, they're like almost the last people leaving the bar. And she was found the next morning when the church opened up. Oh, my goodness. So this person named Tony, apparently he had an envelope that was lying on the bar. I guess through hypnosis, the bartender said that it had some sort of a return address on it for Northwest Pompano Beach. Correct. Yep. Yep. Apparently there was a Northwest witness who was, I believe, was a bartender at the time, said that they believe they saw a. Northwest Pompano addressed the name Tony with an I at the end, not a Y, and that the stamp was in the top left, I mean, in the, in the uh, yeah, top left-hand corner, so the top-hand right-hand right corner. That's what they remembered of it. 
um, and that he was wearing a shirt that had several shapes on it, including a black triangle that they, you know, some people theorize was a Pink Floyd shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was beige with the uh, black symbols, including the triangle. So that's interesting. So we're, we're giving you all this information about this suspect because if anyone recognizes any bit of this and it jogs a memory and like, oh yeah, I knew a guy then. And also you can look at the photo of him. If I have your permission to use that photo from the Facebook page you have. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Use it all. Okay. I'm putting it up at our website, 850WFTL.com and also at my Instagram and page. You're going to see some other ones that are different crazy colors and stuff. I just been, we've been doing that to just, to just grab people's attention when they go out in a new Okay. Seat. Well, if you, if you so. see this photo and it jogs a memory, you need to get in touch with us. How do they get in touch with you, Greg? So you can contact us on the Facebook page, Justice for Anna Marie Mullen. But if you have any information, first and foremost, they should call the Wilton Manors Police Department or okay. Broward County Sheriff Crime Perfect. Stoppers. Yes, call them first. So let's yeah. get back to cool. now what your your efforts have produced, the fruits of your labor. Because Fran Cubes did not give up on her sister, she kept asking and calling for information and they never had anything for her, right? They just had nothing. Fran investigated this for 30-something years. And I mean, did she investigate? She called everywhere. She located two slides at the medical examiner's office that nobody knew previously were there. Really? Uh, that, this was years ago. Yeah, and they got tested. One of them got tested, but the technology wasn't quite there, and they didn't get anything out of it. So she has never, never stopped. I mean, relentless, relentless pursuit. And she likes to thank me and praise me for what has gotten done, but she sold me on her. Her and I are like great friends I now. I mean, it. this relationship has developed over the years. I have so much respect for her fighting spirit and what a good person she is. So well, I'm going to help her to the end. Oh, God bless you. Well, she never even saw a police report. And apparently some of the evidence was, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, misplaced, possibly lost, either thrown yeah, out I by mean, police was, or lost. It was missing up until I, two months into me contacting them, they even said, uh, you know, it's basically it's missing. I mean, that's that. we got to move forward. And I just demanded that we don't move forward. Oh, my and we, gosh. We go backwards. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you never get rid of evidence, especially in a murder. Or the police department is the suspect in the murder, right? I mean, did this happen in many cases? Or was it just this one case that they threw it out? I mean, somebody on the force could possibly have been responsible. I don't care what state laws say. Most say you can never throw out murder evidence, but I don't really care about that. There's no statute of limitations on murder anywhere. So if there's no statute of limitations on murder, then there's no statute of limitations on that evidence either. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was the Wilton Manors Police Department turned it over to BSO, which had more resources way back when, right? Well, here's the current Wilton Manors Police Chief, Gary Blocker, talking about the missteps in the case. If there's missing evidence, our agency will be 100% transparent with a family of Anna Marie. Have they been 100% transparent with you? So, no. <laughs> uh, nothing has been 100% transparent, that's for sure. But I do believe that they're trying very hard now and that they're working the case very hard now. It took us, like I said, three or four months of battling to get them to take it, you know, like as seriously as we wanted to. But I believe that they are doing that now 100%. But it was not without some back and forth and I, lack of transparency for a while. Okay. But I think they're being transparent now. So there's no statute of limitations on murder. Just, you know, you don't escape the big M. And apparently, because of your efforts, 
crucial evidence was found in the Wilton Manors Police Evidence Vault. It was there? So, yeah. So my thought was always, you know, I know I was a detective most of my career. I right. I crime, and I know how evidence rooms work. And I basically just said, you need to get in there and open every bag. Things get misplaced. They get put in the wrong box, wrong bag. You know, evidence rooms move, buildings move. And, you know, after a while, after, you know, sending other people to look, I, you know, they finally did just do that. And they went in and started opening things and located some of it. Wait, you send people to look for them? So I just basically was persistent in my emails and my calls saying you need to go in there and find that evidence. I know it's there. There's no way it got thrown out. Murder evidence. And I, you know, I was quite forceful. <laughs> you know, that I'm sure they're not very happy with me. Wow. But it got done. It, it made it happen and it got done. So I don't feel good about being that forceful with them, but I feel good that it's getting done. And that's what really matters. Wow. I, Greg Fox, you are amazing. Uh, now, the complete list of the evidence obviously is being kept secret to preserve the investigation. But can you confirm that there was clothing and other items that possibly had DNA that they could swab and send in for testing? They have... And fingerprints? Um, I'm sorry? And fingerprints? Yes. So there is there is fingerprints and there is other items that they're trying to extract DNA from and get a DNA profile. So there, there's only a few items so far, but they're hopeful they're going to find more now. And the fingerprints... We were in contact with Broward at the beginning before we even were in contact with Wilt Manners because it was transferred to them. And the Broward detective, we discussed looking in their evidence vault everywhere to try to find this evidence because there's got to be some confusion because they couldn't find it. They said, well, we don't know where it is. Wilt, there is nowhere. So they looked, you know, we pressured, we, you know, we kept up the pressure on, you know, we got to look for everything in those vaults. And they found the prints in the Broward vaults because Oakland Park Police collected the prints back then and they got taken over by Broward. I'm confused. I'm, sorry. I'm confused. That? It wasn't the Wilton Manor's vault then. So no, they did. Wilton Manor's found items of evidence in their vault and right around the same time Broward found the fingerprints in their vault. Oh my gosh. I know. It's just it's so frustrating cuz I go, "Geez, it's been there," you know? But I'm not going to I mean, it, there was a heck of a lot of murders in South Florida in the 80s. If there's no pressure on the case, then you know, it's just another case to some people. I myself if somebody murders somebody in my jurisdiction, I take that personally. I want them to know they're not getting away with that. Absolutely. I can't believe you know? it went on this long. And so if the evidence is in the vault for 40 years, what does that do to the DNA? So it won't harm, harm the DNA. DNA in some instances could be underwater, underground. I mean, it, it's not. The DNA will be fine. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be preserved in paper bags and things like that. But I think it was actually in all in paper. So the DNA, all that should be totally fine. Wow. Um, I know Broward County has the, they have a vacuum, a special vacuum that you can use to extract DNA from items. Oh, that's like unbelievable technology and not everybody has it. So I'm very confident we're going to have the, this person ID'd and hopefully pretty soon. And as I said, Wilton Manor's PD is working the case. They've interviewed a lot of people. We're hoping maybe even the media, somebody will come forward and say something now that they know it's coming to a head. Right, or if the murderer himself is listening to this podcast slash uh, interview that's going to be aired on a radio station as well, things could be starting to tighten up on him. But if he's not in the system, if he's never been fingerprinted, if he's never committed a felony and been swabbed and has his DNA in CODIS, then it's a dead end. So I would say this to her killer if they're listening, 
know, your time's up. You might as well turn yourself in. Your days are hiding. You're going to be over. The chances of a male in America over a 40-year period not having their fingerprints in the system in some way, shape, or form is a little high for me to believe because they committed such a horrendous crime. Right. I don't. You have to live a perfect life or not join the military or not get a firearms permit or not seek federal employment or, you know, on and on and on and on. And then there's the DNA profile. So I think it's going to ID somebody. And who knows who it will be, but, you know, many, many times it's somebody that's already within the report somewhere, somebody that's already been spoken to. So my guess is that it could be just a random person. And, you know, I have my ideas on some possibilities, but also it often is more likely a person that's known to them. I have a feeling that whoever the prince come back to it or the DNA, it's going to make sense. Okay, so if you are cryptically telling me this, you may have a person of interest. You may have a person of interest. No, so I just, you know, just in looking at different people who are like, you know, multiple offenders in the area, I could see some possibilities in people. Because most of them you could eliminate from if they were incarcerated or that. But that's just theories. There's nothing really to go on other than, you know, MO and you know, a lot of the things fit like that, so it wouldn't surprise me, but it's usually going to be somebody that's known to you. Okay. Even though there's a stranger that walked into the bar and all that. Uh, Was there a Tony well, in the report? Can you say that? If you saw... So I, 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 like I said, I have not, we have not oh, yet seen right. the report. That's right. None of them. <gasps> uh, when you do, so then, I, you know. Oh. But, you know, I'm confident that the physical evidence is going to identify the killer, but like I said, they found the reports, and there's a lot, I guess, in uh you know, they're working the case. So I believe we're going to get to the bottom of this soon. And as I said before, we're not going to stop keeping up the pressure to look for the rest of the evidence. It's all there somewhere. Have you gotten any kind of an apology or a, what kind of a no, reaction? No, I think they're actually, I think they're upset with me now. Um, even though they know this never would, we wouldn't be proceeding forward with anything if I hadn't done the things that I did. But so I don't think they're very happy that I had to be so forceful and, you know, well, how were you forced? No, what did no you apology st- or nothing like that. Were no. you were you threatened? But they them? are being helpful and trying to help us get it forward. You know, when you were forceful, what were you d- explain? Did you how were you forced? I basically cited laws and I cited all the reasons why I thought this was you know inappropriate and there's no moving beyond it. And that until you get to the bottom of it, that is the way to solve the murder is to find the evidence and like you need to figure out who did something with that evidence to figure out if they possibly had a part in it or anything, you know, I mean, <gasps> right. you know, it's crazy, but you know, I'm just, you, until you find out what happened to the evidence, you don't know the answer to that. Yes. Why is it missing? Why is it missing? Correct. Wow. So we're speaking with Greg Fox. He's a retired police sergeant, private detective now, and a friend of Fran, who's the victim's sister. And you're working in conjunction with her to try to determine who murdered her sister back in 1982. And it's taken this long. Oh, my gosh, 2022, that you are about to get the information, the police report in your hand, possibly today? Possibly today, yeah. Well, we will follow up with you on this case. Once you get the information, I know you can't, you have to keep it secret because of the investigation, but... If you get anything, we're going to bring it to light. And if I get any response from any of our listeners, 
we'll obviously hook up with you again. And my prayer is that you can figure out who killed this poor girl. We really appreciate you, you know, having us on and doing this and reaching out. And, uh, you know, it, oh, certainly I will keep you informed and I will let you know anything that I can let you know. And of course, when it breaks, I'll let you know right away. And you know what happened to Anna? It was basically a theft of her dignity. And I know that you will not give up until her dignity is restored. You know, the thing that stands out is Anna's sister Fran said, you know, if you read the news articles at first, they said that she probably died of a drug overdose. And they said she was from Massachusetts. And that upset her so much because she said, you know, my sister was living in Florida for three years and my sister wasn't a drug addict. I asked the police. She had no drugs in her system, no drug arrest, nothing. And the Emmy's medical examiner's report said she didn't. So, like, she felt that was a way of just discarding her by saying she's just a drug addict from Massachusetts. Who cares? <gasps> and that's how she felt about it. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. She was a 22-year-old girl out drinking in a bar just like every other 22-year-old girl. And she had a brutal hard life and was making the best of it in a, in a great way. And she, her life was snubbed out when she was trying to make a good life for herself. And it's just so sad. It sits with me so bad. It doesn't sit right. I feel like somebody's got to fight for these people because, you know, they didn't come from much means either. They don't have money to pay big lawyers to go fight their battles for them. I'm not, I didn't take a nickel for this. I'm just doing this voluntarily. I got a license and everything because I don't want to be doing anything. Right. Illegally, you know, right. Overstepping my boundaries, but really, I'm not doing this as a private investigator. I'm doing this as a friend. Well, I'll tell you this. Somebody who cares. This smacks of another case, and once you're done with this case, I'd like you to join me. I wrote a book called The Accuser, not The Accused, The Accuser. I, I don't know if you remember from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Do you remember Cheryl Arusha? What was it called? The Accuser. Okay, in New Bedford, yes. And it's the true story of uh, Cheryl Arujo. She was the girl that was gang raped on the pool table in New Bedford. Oh, God, yes. And they made the movie The Accused about her. Well, yeah, do you know yeah. where she is today? The real person? Not Jodie Foster? No. She died here in South Florida. They did the same thing to her. An alcoholic How from... Sad. She was run out of Massachusetts and came to South Florida. And my book actually proves, I have the FHP report, that she was run off the road. And instead they said, oh, she was drunk driving with her kids in the back. I found her daughters in Massachusetts. They still remember what happened and they still remember a white van running her off the road. But that's something I'd need you to look into after you're done with this case because it's How the same sad. thing. Wow. I will take a look at it for sure. Okay. That's so sad. It is so sad. It is so very it, sad. It, it, yeah. The FHP report had nothing about alcohol at all, nothing. And the uh, medical examiner had nothing about alcohol. She opened her stomach. And then all of a sudden, 10 days later, oh, alcohol. Once they figured out who she was, alcohol. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very sad and ashamed to admit that in going through this process, because I've been looking into this for years since I knew about it, but, you know, really got involved the last six months. I, I, I'm, it's sad to see how many cases like this exist and how many it's just was, you know, whatever bad police work back then, which this was not the case here. This was good police work back then. It's just was neglected by the department for many, many years and many officers that acted in shameful ways towards the family over the year, you know, but like it, it wasn't a case of bad police work, but many of them are, many of them are mishandling of the evidence. Many of them are just incompetence you know right. back then lack of training and i've always felt like as a cop 
because I've worked with some great detectives and some worthless detectives. And I feel like incompetence is the worst form of corruption when you're talking about police work. It does so much damage. And, you know, I don't know, you know people not wanting to say that they were wrong or what, they don't want to reverse direction. I don't know. Because cops are good people who want to do the right thing. I don't know. Some things were <laughs> unfortunately not very good training-wise and everything back then. And many cases have these same sad stories. Yeah. And then unless they get someone like you and her sister to keep fighting. But I am heartened that you're saying that they did good police work back then. That will help in determining who they murdered did, her. They did. They, so I, don't, I haven't seen the reports, but I know for sure that the crime scene investigators from Oakland Park did a fantastic job. I mean, they collected evidence as though they knew what DNA even was. Really? Interesting. Um, there's a massive amount of information, evidence that, you know, can be located. And I hope that they continue to locate more. I mean, this is a slam dunk, you know, with all the evidence. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's no, there would be no escaping it for anybody. You said that the but, sister had seen the ME report? So yeah, she, she got the ME report. I think she actually is the one who gave it to the police department. Oh. And so she got the report and the photos and all that, like, way back when. So it's, you know, and again, I, I got to be careful. I don't want to say too much because, like, we didn't come this far to let no. something compromise the investigation now, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, it's already not a perfect case, obviously, you know? Right. <laughs> Which it would have been if we had all the evidence. Is there a chain of custody issue with the evidence? No, I, I, to be honest with you, that's where the transparency is lacking. I don't know what the issue is. I mean, I've had a million different theories. I've been up and down and thinking that, you know, a million different things from the worst to the, to the most, to the simplest reason for why this occurred, but I can't get to the bottom of it. It's something that needs to be looked into by somebody else. Bottom line is I don't really care what the reason is that somebody lost the evidence or whatever happened to the evidence, but you know, somebody needs to be accountable for that. Somebody needs to tell, explain who and why and where and what, you know, exactly. But, it may not be that it even is the case. I mean, they're looking for it, and I believe they're working hard on looking for it, and I hope that they find it all. And I believe that they will if they look enough. It not be all in their evidence room. It might be displaced in other evidence vaults who tested things. But you said that some evidence has been sent off for DNA. Yes, so there's been some evidence. Uh, Wilt Manor said, I, I don't, you know, that's what they said. They say that they told the news yesterday that they sent evidence to be tested for DNA, and they sent Princeton to be tested. And when will that be back? Well, so it's been in for some time now. So I would imagine like any time. I mean, the DNA could take a while, yeah. you know, depending on how much they prioritize it. But I would imagine, you know, if we're going to get a match with Leighton Prince, we're probably going to get one soon, okay. like very soon. All right. Well, And I would be surprised if we don't get a match. But even if we don't, I mean, you know, you at least compare whatever Leighton's you found to male subjects, their possibilities. But Did they dust the bar? So I don't know any of that. We okay. don't have the report. They didn't even know any of that. Because, then, you know, none of the people are there anymore. Now they have the reports, so I'm sure they do. Okay. Like I said, we're going to get the reports today, hopefully. You know, we'll know some things. But like I said, they were very thorough in their crime scene collection. So I would have to think they got everything that they could. For then, for then, for 1982. Yeah. All right. Well, Greg Fox, thank you so much for joining me on Full Rigor. On, thank you very much. On, and we will be back thank in touch. Thank you for having me on. and. Thank you for helping us spread this word. It's just like, you know, my heart breaks for them. I, I actually, you know, I told my wife a few months ago, I said, I don't know if I could ever do this again. I, this is heartbreaking because I thought it was all lost. And then when it turned around, um, it rejuvenated me. It, 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 it takes a lot of life out of you because I'm really emotionally involved here. Right. 
but it, nothing could be worth it more in life. If this gets resolved and they get the peace that they deserve, I, that's the biggest accomplishment of my life. And I've done a lot of things as a detective I feel proud of, but this is a big one. Well, we won't give up, and we'll be back in touch with you as soon as you get more information. Thank you so we much. We won't. We're not going to. And it's Justice for Anna Marie Mullen on Facebook. We Lots and lots of followers, and all your listeners, we'd love you to come on, check it out, give us a like, and help us uh, help join the fight. Thank you. So check out the photos. They are up at my crime blog on 850WFTL.com, and also on my Instagram page, Full Rigger Podcast. So that wraps up this episode of Full Rigger. I promise to bring you more on this cold case that's heating up. Thanks for listening. Until next time.